It's Wildy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Midnight Madness, the unfiltered haven where your voice won't be silenced and you can speak your mind without the bounds of scrutiny. This is the podcast where we keep it real. No filters, no holes barred. That's right. It's a place for the fellas and for the ladies alike. We're here to say things that the fellas want to say to their ladies and the things that the ladies want to say to their men. We're thrilled to have you with us tonight. This is more than just a podcast. It's a gathering place for all of us to come together and share our thoughts, our ideas, and our stories. It's that time when the world quiets down, and it's just you, us, and the thoughts that plague your mind. We'll laugh together, we'll vent together, but most importantly, we'll be real together. So grab your favorite beverage, get comfy, and join the crew, because here at Midnight Madness, we don't shy away from any topic. We talk about life, love, relationships, and everything in between. We know that there are things you've been itching to say, conversations you've been avoiding, and questions that you've been afraid to ask. (laughs) Well, guess what? This is the place to do it. No judgments, no taboos. We're all in this together. And together, we're going to explore the mysteries of the midnight hour, the thoughts that keep us up at night, and the conversations we've been longing to have. So what are you waiting for? Join us in on the madness. Let loose and speak your truth. Because it's Midnight Madness, the podcast where you're free to say what you got to say. Welcome to the madness, folks. Let's dive in. Hey, we're going to do this. Hey, we're going to do it. We're going to do it right, man. So look, uh, I'm not going to tell you what we said before this, but since we already hitting it, let's just go into it. This is what I will say. Um, it was a big pause before you said it, but just to recap, Brent, you said that ain't no man going, what'd you say? Going to do something to your stroke. I can't remember what it said, but you said like, going to stop your stroke or whatever, you know, mess up your stroke. <laughs> you said pause. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I, I get that and I rock with it. Thank you. What I will say is I have been mad in it. And I'm telling you right now, that was some of my best performances. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, you know, maybe, maybe Yann's thinking about the wrong thing. You feel me? You need to actually be like, okay. We gonna run it back, and this the run it back time. You know, right. if, if right. it's on my, if I'm gonna take my little thoughts out on it, then I'm telling you right now, I might have to, you know, put in a career high. For sure. <laughs> you, you know, are, I, you I, are but as I'm thinking, I even right now, I, I kind of relate to what he's saying to a degree. To a degree. There's times right now with the work that I do where I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about some of the people that I'm working with. So I can imagine when you are obsessed with anything that it can come to be those points in time where that does happen. Um, it's an interesting thing to share publicly. Very interesting. That's a little different for me, but I, I mean, I've never, I'm not even going to sit here and pretend I've never obsessed over anything to the level that a Giannis Antetokounmpo or a, a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan or these guys who are like insanely obsessed with what it is that they're doing, that it completely overtakes everything about them. So I can imagine, especially somebody like Ayanis, who I don't know if you guys heard, I'm sure you did actually, 
when they were asking him if he thought two seasons ago was a failure because they didn't win the championship. And he went on that tirade. Um, I can imagine that still being on his mind every day also. And that being a part of this. So no lie, no lie. Just two days ago, I was having a conversation about that very matchup. I said, if for whatever reason, Milwaukee matched up with Indiana in the playoffs, they getting popped. Mm -hmm. They just don't match up well against them for whatever reason. So if I'm thinking that, if y'all are saying that, if other people are now saying that, that's only a small fraction of what's probably on Giannis's mind when it comes to that team. I mean, the first in-season tournament and y'all get knocked out by a, a much, much lesser team. And they've owned them this season. Yeah. So that's the other component to that. So they got to see them two more times or or one more time. I can't remember if they played twice or three times already. But they got to see them two more times this year and then potentially in the playoff. That'll keep you up at night. Man, what mess up my stroke, though? Yeah, that was weird. You know, um, speaking of that, well, not speaking of that, but speaking to your, uh, your point, um, Joe, yeah, they even said something about Lillard. They brought Lillard in the conversation mm-hmm. and said that um, Lillard pretty much they said, I think the exact words were he left out West to to come and get smashed by Fonsworth Bentley. Pretty much not smashed as far as like that way, oh, but as far in basketball. Because oh, they, they, and I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> and then they're referring uh, to Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese like, Halliburton. <laughs> Bentley, that is comedy. That's some disrespect. Respectful as shit. Mm-hmm. Not to Tyrese Halliburton, but to Farnsworth Bentley, bro. I mean, they they actually a little they favor a little bit, man. That when I saw that, I was like, oh man. Y'all That's gonna leave Dame alone though, for real. This man is coming into a situation where he is trying to do his best as an all-star, as a veteran to facilitate himself in a team where they honestly if they could have kept drew you know who said this joel said this didn't say this joel that losing drew holiday was gonna be was gonna kill them not kill him but it was gonna it was gonna be very different it's gonna be very yeah and you can see it just in like in the way they close out games for for me more than anything else and i think it just i I don't know man they gotta figure something out about an all-star break yeah it's it's just defense what happened is yeah drew holiday is a one-man wrecking crew. That's the yeah, first. Yeah, literally, yeah. Not get enough. I mean, they talk about it, but still, he and is the best Giannis two-way on the player. Secondary. Right. He's the best two-way player in the NBA, period. It's not even close. But Chris Middleton, unfortunately, because of the injuries, is only about 50 to 60% of who he was on the championship run. So you lose Drew as a defender. You lose Chris as that two-way player and closer for quarters or shot clocks, things like that. And you add Dame, him and Giannis are dynamic together, but now you still have two open spaces where defenders are able to do a little bit more. Um, Because if you think about it, it's just like the Lakers. If you got LeBron and AD, two non-three-point shooting type guys out there with three other guys who can't shoot threes, who get into the paint? So who's making open shots on Milwaukee? 
it, the best option is Brooke Lopez if it's not Giannis and Dame involved in the action. That's not a good formula for a win. So they've got some other challenges they need to address. They got to do something with Chris. I said if they could find a way to move Chris for like a Jeremy Grant out in Portland, oh, that'd be that would nice. be that'd be what they need is somebody younger yeah. that can defend multiple positions and hit that short corner three. Yeah. That's what they need badly. Jeremy Grant would be nice. I think that I think the one uh, my one concern with that one is I think they overpaid Jeremy Grant to get him to Portland in the last ditch effort to possibly keep Dane. Yep. And then I think that was more like and he looked at it like this is exactly yeah. why I want to leave. You yeah. know, so, yeah. so it might not be it might not be enough money there. So depending, I know Chris Milton got the bag though. Um oh yeah, he he's killing. He's killing uh yeah, he Jeremy's Jeremy's paper. So um yeah, but I mean I, I think it remains to be seen um how things are gonna turn out. I, I can see that there's been a lot of talk in the NBA so far about big threes and how mm -hmm. they're just not working anymore. Yep. Um, and I think that they're they're leaning on that talk specifically from what you see going on with the Suns. I think, you know, they just that's just a health issue from, yeah. from my standpoint, but they also got rid of a lot of key players, which yeah. I thought that it's kind of funny to see that. I don't know, maybe, Joe, you can bring some type of basketball approach to it, but I'm looking at them, and I'm highly disappointed at the Brooklyn Nets because that young core that everybody was hyping up with when they were with Trey. the Phoenix Suns, mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't see them doing anything, you know? Trey. Yeah. I feel bad for Spencer Dunn with it. Yeah, he keeps getting played. Yeah. Um, um, but they, Go ahead, Joe. My bad. Now, I was going to say, just a real quick evaluation of the Brooklyn Nets. The, there's a couple of challenges. One, they've not been healthy this year either. Um, ben Simmons was just rounding back into form, and people really didn't know how hurt he was. Like, anytime you start talking about backs, that's a legit career-ending type injury. They didn't know how bad it was. He didn't know how bad it was. He's done for the year. We, we pretty much call that a wash. He's done for this year. But when they were all playing early before the injuries, they were playing well. They were like number three, number four in the East, um, kind of just fluctuating. The other challenge is they have the same player over and over and over and over and over. They These guys that are 6'4", six, 6'7", six, right in there in range, that are more 3 and D type players. They're trying to now convert Mikael Bridges, who I like, but he is not a lead guard uh, as a playmaker, predominant decision maker, ball handler. He's not that guy. That's not where he's best suited. So to your point, him in Phoenix was ideal. He's a third, fourth scoring option. Uh, he can defend his tail off multiple positions. He was just an ideal fit as a second or third. He cannot be your number one lead dog on a team. Uh, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a bunch of young guys all around the same size. Uh, and, and it's just, it's not going to, that formula is not going to work in this modern NBA. So, hmm. That's just high level, real quick. Just kind of touching on uh, on Brooklyn. Well, it remains to be seen, man. I think I think Brooklyn has a strong court. I'm to be honest. The more that I think about it, and now that I look at it, I wouldn't be surprised if any veteran team is looking to shore up, whether it be their bench or even just come in with a player because of the talent that was shown with these individuals when they before they went to the Brooklyn Nets. 
some of those individuals that went to the Nets from the Phoenix Suns might be available for trade again when it comes <laughs> to the trade deadline. Absolutely. And, and those would be some solid additions to the team. Heck yeah. Cam, oh, yeah. Cam Johnson is a great example of that. That's I would number love, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> imagine him, imagine him in Milwaukee taking that time from Chris Middleton. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're talking about a completely different energy level now for that team. So somebody's going to have to make a deal uh, across the NBA. Even Denver is not looking as challenging as yeah. the returning champion. Um, it's going to be a new champion again this year. I don't know who it's going to be, but it's not going to be Denver um, unless they can do something to shake up and and add some, because they also lost a lot off of that bench in terms of veteran presence in the locker room. So yeah. people do you know, realize. One of the guys uh, is um, in Indiana. I forgot his name. I think it's Bruce. Bruce something. I can't Brown. remember. Brown. Yeah, yep. he he was saving them in a few a few times last Absolutely. year during the playoffs. Yeah, man, Absolutely. that boy, he's a baller, flat out yep. baller. Yep. Um, yeah, man. Hey, it's kind of funny you said that Denver's not going to be because I have a friend that bet me a thousand dollars that they're going to go for the three P, and I was like, I got to take that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, are they still know. are they still are they still taking bets? Right, uh, it might be. It might be. Hey, send them my way. So yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this: I realized that Denver has a great team, and they yeah, are in they position, and they have the bravado. But their coach, especially, has and 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 Murray, to mm-hmm. me, have the bravado to say, "Hey, whoever wants it, come get it." Yeah. But what I noticed, the one thing that I noticed, just maybe it's a difference in culture where I don't understand. But when I saw how bad Jokic wanted to go home mm-hmm. after he they still wanted, wants to go home, and when I saw that, I noticed that like, and even when he keeps communicating that basketball, he loves it, but there's other things that he loves. I know people, at least maybe I come from a place where I know people that that's all they love, you know, when they love the sport and then <laughs> everything yeah. else comes second, you know. <laughs> Uh, they might say guy, family, been basketball, but truthfully, I ain't never seen them pray. You feel me? I I, I seen them skeet out on their family. You know what I'm saying? Or skirt <laughs> out on their family. Not not in a, like that way, but you know, it's like, hey, let me go hang out or go do this or who's hooping or whatever the case may be. Basketball yeah. has come first. Um, so I don't know. It, it remains to be seen. Uh, one of those things that I'm holding out hope that Denver doesn't repeat. Um. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, hey, interesting take. I I did have a, I, I did one more thing on basketball, Brent, because I know that you, you you itching to get into one of the trending topics. Um, I saw that uh, Stephen A. was trending, oh, but but it wasn't but it wasn't because of what he said. I mean, it wasn't him saying it became trending. It was more of the responses from what he said. And I think he he pretty much said something along the lines that Kobe is great. Kobe's a top 10 player, but he's not top two. And he's pretty much saying, like, hey, you know, we got to give it to Bron. If you look at what Bron's doing, you think about his longevity, we got to give it to Bron. And you got um, Rashad McCants came out and was like, you know what, well, we, can't, we can't disrespect. We can't disrespect Kobe like that. Stephen A., 
you wouldn't have you didn't have that energy when Kobe was alive. Yeah. So I'm gonna put it out there to you all. My two takes on it is one, I understand over a period of time, your opinions are gonna change. And you know, you're gonna see certain things. And obviously, if you look at when Kobe stopped playing and where Braun was at, a lot of people still might have, you know, said, Hey, Kobe Braun, and it was a cool conversation. However, for people that are passionate about Kobe, love Kobe, love, you know, idolize him. I can see how you can get passionate about, hey, look, man, this person is is not no longer here. He can't defend his his worth. Um, obviously, we'll still be talking about him in other facets of life. If he was still here, just let him stay at where he was at the time that he passed. Yeah. What's your thoughts? There's a, there's a lot of great players and Hall of Fame worthy players that passed away and people talk about them later on. Um, Kobe's been gone for a little bit now and it's not a disrespect if if in the conversation someone ranks him as three instead of two because of what Braun has, has accomplished since after Kobe left the NBA. Not just after he passed, after he left the NBA. Brought a champ, champ, championship to L.A. He's become the all-time leading scorer. He's top five on assists or top eight on assists, top ten on rebounds. You know what I'm saying? Like all these things, these accolades that have happened after Kobe has retired that have that are putting him into that GOAT conversation with Kobe and with LeBron. So for someone to say and have that conversation, like it's not knocking Kobe. Like you mean you have when when Kobe was alive, you know, because he firmly didn't didn't believe it. I didn't believe that LeBron was better than Kobe when Kobe was alive. When Kobe was in the NBA, when Kobe's first year out the NBA, I didn't think that. Kobe's second year out the NBA, I didn't think that. You see what I'm saying? So it's like time as time has progressed, I do I do feel that way now. LeBron's number two all time behind Jordan. And Kobe's yeah. Kobe's Kobe's my number three favorite player. I mean, I honestly think it goes for it, for me. It literally goes MJ, Bron, Kobe, AI as my like. You know what I'm saying? Then I, I can go in. You know what I'm saying? Then then I can go into like 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 favorites. This is my favorites. My and, and my goats. I put them as my goats too. You know what I'm saying? Like. I mean, Tim Duncan's on my list. Larry Bird's on my list. Like that's from like when I was a younger cat. Um, shit, I got other players too, but I'm not gonna go into my whole top ten. But I mean, like I I, I get it. And like from Rashad, it's like you getting all he be, he's a feelings ass kind of dude though. Like he constantly in his feels for some something new. Like I didn't take nothing negative on what Stephen A. said. I mean, Stephen A. is you know Kobe was his person. It's yeah, not, that's he, true. That's like true. Kobe, Kobe would have respected that shit. This man is the all-time leading scorer, and he's a Los Angeles Laker as the previous all-time leading scorer. You think Kobe wouldn't respect that, and 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 and, and, and maybe not give him a bow down, say I'll still be that nigga one on one, but you know, I mean, he got the numbers, <laughs> man. Like, so stop with this shit. Like, I don't know what I don't, I don't know why people are, are in some a big ass up. I know a lot of people don't like Stephen A. and they they that adds into it. I know the comment. You know, maybe feel may feel distasteful, but let's look at it objectively. Kobe passed away in what? 19, 2019? 
around there. Uh, 20, yeah. 2020, right, right after 2020, the pandemic, yeah. right? Sorry, yeah. right before the pandemic, you're right, 2020, right? I mean, we're in 2024, dog. Kobe retired from the NBA in, what, 2016? I was in Cali still. 16, Come on. 18, around there. Yeah, like, what yeah. are we talking about? This man's still in the NBA, putting up 25 a night. Like, 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 what think, negative? What did? What negative? What negative did he say? People just getting their well, feels too much, man. Sorry, I went on. Nah, I thought, no, that's cool. Um, but Joe, I want to go to you because I do feel like in this world, we we live in, especially in in media and content creation, is and you think about clickbait or you think about hot takes, yeah. and in the world yeah. of journalism, which pretty much that's what we do. That's, that's who we are. When we yeah. come back and we talk about certain things, playing the middle is not right. You actually have to have a point and you have to pick a side more mm -hmm. times than none. So in this situation right here, we we heard some of the responses from Rashad McCants. You heard Stephen A's take, my take, Brent's take. What's your thoughts? So a uh, little bit different. Angle for just a second here, um, Paul. <laughs> I I'm not I'm one of those that's not a fan of Stephen A. Smith. Uh, I'm just not a fan, of, and I that's another conversation. So I won't get into that right now. But what I always question is the authenticity of why the messages happen. What else is going around in the periphery that maybe I'm not aware of? Like, what are the ratings like on? Um, First take. You know what I mean? It's like stuff like that. You never know. We're already in the middle of a season. We just had probably the best stretch of November, like mid to late November to early December basketball, probably in the history of the game because of the end season tournament. We were on this high. Where does this comment fit into the current NBA narrative? That's what I would ask first. And since I don't know, I can't even speculate on that. But I do know what you said is a fact. Hot take, move the world. So Stephen A has made a name for himself off of being loud and making these hot takes. That's how he made a name for himself. So I'm just trying to figure out genuinely where does that come from? Because similar to you, Brent, Kobe is my GOAT. Kobe is my MJ for other people. So he's always, because he's my favorite, he's always going to be my GOAT. Any way you break it down, he's going to be my number one. And I'll give you all type of ways to try to make it make sense based off of my opinion. I'm just not certain, like even when I listen to people talk basketball, I'm not certain that a lot of narratives that people kind of dig into, I'm not certain if it's, the narrative for them shifted because it feels if it's an argument or because of what's popular hot at the moment. That's where that's that's the only thing I can say about this, because, again, he didn't say anything disrespectful about Kobe. And I would agree that he didn't. But me being the avid lover of Kobe that I am, there's a whole lot of things that Stephen A has said historically about Kobe that I thought were distasteful during his playing days. Um, but again, it was all hot take based. So it's like, I can't get mad at him for, for what he's been. He's been this dude since he got on TV. 
So I can't be mad about that. Um, I'm not going to go out here and bang and fight for Kobe. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like that's that's kind of where it is for me. Like I, I don't think it's necessarily that he said anything wrong. I think that Rashad McCants is an emotional guy. And I think he allows stuff to impact him in a way where when you don't have that EQ, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? When you don't yeah. have that EQ, sometimes it manifests itself in weird ways. Like, I don't know if y'all saw when him and Brenda Jennings got into it. Yeah, I seen that too. And it's like, how do you keep being in these situations where it keeps escalating? So that tells you about him. Go Stephen A. Smith, how do yeah, you um, keep having shit, these type man. of hot takes? So you Well, know, be also... And that's not a like, because I, I really like um Gilbert's podcast. Yeah, love it. Um, Gil's Arena. Yeah, Gil's yeah. Arena. I, I fuck with it. But but Gil be instigating that shit half the fucking time, yeah. too. You know what I'm saying? It, it, you know it, what to do. A, Keep that's in mind, a formula. Man. This, 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 that's this a formula. Gil. Yeah, this well, right of here. course. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's, that's him. <laughs> That's him. And it's no disrespect. You know what I'm saying? Like that's and it's certain it's certain groups. Guys, we we all grew up in a certain area. You know what I'm saying? So we understand like the kind of friends we've had around ourselves, the kind of man we've allowed maybe at certain points in our lives. But um we all know that one nigga, bro. And he's funny and we keep him around. And sometimes You'll see another group of another group of people where that's they lead, dude. And then you feel bad for the rich niggas around them because you know they going through hell. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, that's it is what it is. It's like so their situation is so different. But yeah, Rashad McCants, man, like I I be I used to clown them. I used to get on the TikTok whenever they go on live, and I'd just be watching it because they had this little bad little white girl. They used to um do the little videos. And everybody used to be commenting on her the whole time. I'm watching the videos. And the whole time you see this nigga getting amped up and and and, and aggravated. And I'm just like, bro, calm the fuck down. Yeah. I mean, he's so emotional. He's, look, he's in, you got to remember, he's in a, he's trying to carve out his own little space, too. And and from my perspective, he might have been known as a baller. But it just didn't work out in the league, nah, you know. It it. When you think about even just the people that's sitting down with him, you know what I mean. Damn. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm keeping it the, the name just didn't carry as much weight, even with Kenyon Martin. Martin. Come on, you know, like I don't know okay. why he's there. But I mean, he's one of the boys, and, and he got personality for it. He got a yeah. great personality though, and also I get, I know he got some crazy stories, and he can hoop too. I'm not disrespecting his nah, game. Nah, nah, he can hoop. You man. know what I'm saying? You, but like, if you make it like, to the NBA. Let's be yeah, real. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but you some of the change. shit he be saying be crazy cap, bro. I don't believe half the shit he be talking about. Because I just think he be saying shit just how, how he feel. And, like, there's no – sometimes a lot of times – like, I think with us, we try to do our best to um take feelings out of it to a certain yeah. degree. You know what I'm saying? With with our takes. You know, we like we, yeah. we put some, some logic and reason behind it. There's feelings, of course, and, you know, how we – you know what I'm saying internal stuff, but if for him it's like, bro, like where's the logic? When that nigga said, I, "I feel like I'm the best in the NBA than I am," and if you don't, then you a hater. I said, "Huh?" <laughs> it was the, when I saw yeah, Kenyon Martin yeah. face. I was yeah. like, bro, like see that? Like I can't, I can't have a conversation with a person like that because you don't see reason. See, and I, and I I'll add this on to that, Brent, because you're 100 right. What's interesting though is that a lot of the stuff he says like that that are those interesting left field kind of positions um i get what he's trying to say 
Yeah. It's the same thing with Giannis saying that the season wasn't a failure because they didn't win the championship. So, like, he was it, – it, it is a failure if the goal is to win a championship. If you didn't win, then it was a failure. But his point is still relevant. It's like, MJ, how many years did he play? He only won six. Were all the other years? So he's right. But in, in context, it can be said in a way where you look like an idiot. And I think that's what happens with Rashad a lot of times is because the the level of emotion. Like I said, when you don't have that EQ, when you don't have stoicism, then yeah. you wind up falling into the trap of word vomit. Word and now vomit. that I done said it, and now I'm emotionally attached to it, I got to keep going. Don't so a, great example, shit. a yeah. great example of this is if you listen to anybody right now give their top three or five rappers, there's always going to be two names in there. That's who? If you had to Drake, two, you got Pat Wayne in there. But I don't know if you're talking about right now. But you say every I say Jay Z, Wayne, all time, or They're Tupac and like, Biggie. <laughs> That's Tupac what you're talking Biggie. about. Tupac and Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> you say all time. Yeah, Tupac and Biggie. Yeah. So yeah. think about what I'm about to say here. As it as it can. Sorry, I just saw Kate Cunningham dunk on somebody. I just threw oh, me off. Shit. Um, you know they. I'm dunking again. Right. Um, but nobody will ever challenge you if you say. Tupac and Biggie are two of the greatest rappers of all time. Oh, but no. what would happen if somebody said they're not two of the greatest rappers? So I'm because people don't want often, people don't want that smoke often when it comes to those opinions. I've never heard a person on any platform, any public platform, I've never heard anybody not include those two on Knuckleheads. I don't know if y'all listen to Knuckleheads. I love their podcast yeah. too. Um, they ask and I'm sorry, not knuckleheads. This is one that's on all the smoke. One of the questions they ask. Dinner guests. Five dinner guests dead or alive. You always hear the same name. It's going to be Martin Luther King. It's going to be Malcolm X. You know what I mean? It's like we have these very specific consistencies that are culturally approved, so to speak, and we stick to that. Michael Jordan is culturally approved. This people that were born in 99 that talk about Michael Jordan as the GOAT. They ain't seen that man play a day of basketball. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like when I think basketball and the basketball conversations and I think about what Stephen A. said, that's why I asked the question that I do, which is what's happening in the periphery to make this be something that you're saying right? Like why is Kobe even being brought up at all? Yeah. Why are we not just talking about LeBron? I mean, so, the anniversary of his death's coming up too. But, but you also, you hit the best point that I don't even know if you were trying to make it, but it actually hit with me now. Now I, I get I get it why Rashad responded that way. Because if if you say, hey, who are your top five, or you just had to put it on your hand, best rappers, mm-hmm. if you if you eliminate from an all-time conversation Biggie and Tupac, then you're mm-hmm. pretty much eliminating what came after him. Right. And it's been, you know, and there's been a lot of talent that came after those or who rose after those. So when somebody's looking at LeBron and everything they're able to accomplish, it even goes back to, you think about Kobe. I remember, you know, like there was a song about it, you know, Kobe, LeBron. <laughs> I don't know if y'all knew that, but there's a song about it, but there, there was a conversation at that point in time. Um, if you go back and you hear about uh, Jordan, Jordan say that he got his game from somebody. And then mm-hmm. that person say they got their game for somebody. But Kobe said, you know, he walked like Jordan. He talked like Jordan. He interviewed like him. He played like him. You know, he had that, that mentality like him. I think from that perspective, 
that's why he got so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like what I don't like is that he he called out Stephen A for it, even though Stephen A said it. Um, and the reason why is because I believe Stephen A and Gil got a great relationship, you know, so it's more like Gil, like, I'm I'm gonna keep it chill, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's my man. And if I disagree with you, it's okay because I would disagree with you to your face. So why don't I disagree to you in front of the public? It's not a big deal. Um, but I don't know the way that Rashad did it, it was more like beef, you know. And I think that that's what would happen, like you said, if somebody had to make their list and Biggie and Tupac wouldn't be in their list, mm-hmm. they would they would have an emotional reaction towards it. Or yep. so let me just go ahead and start agreeing that yep. going forward, Biggie and Tupac are in my list of top five rappers or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. Okay. And to that point, you know, just kind of even going a little bit further, Stephen A has rubbed so many players the wrong way. That's true. And I'm talking about guys that so he's been on all the smoke. I've heard Steven Jackson go on a rant about Stephen A and the stuff that he does and the stuff that he says, because I don't think, and Kwame Brown is a great example of this. I don't think we as the general public really pay attention to just how damaging uh, an ill-timed report can be. So a great example is Steve Kerr talking about JaVale McGee when he came to the team. He said, you know, I had such a bad impression of him, who he was because of Shaq and the Fool. I really didn't see him being, you know, of any value to the team. This guy winds up helping them win two championships as the starting center, then goes somewhere else and helps them win a championship as the starting. We're talking about a great NBA player that almost lost his career because Shaq was making jokes. Kwame Brown, basically, his whole 14 years gets boo-booed on because Stephen A. saying bust. What happened? I just want to make sure that we pointed out that those jokes were funny. What are you talking about, Shaq? <laughs> this was hilarious, bro. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I'm so <laughs> proud. I'm so proud JaVel McGee. It has, like, tough skin. His mom and the, his family members, you know what I'm saying, like, helped motivate him and push him through that shit. And he, and he found a way to laugh about it and, 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 and transcend because, honestly, I think a lot of times we laugh about shit, but we don't know that those struggles help people and those jokes can help a person. So sometimes they can hurt him too, but damn, because man, JaVale, I thought when he was younger, I thought he was a fucking idiot. And not just because of Shaq and the fool, like you watched him play. He did a lot of stupid ass shit, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like just being lost on the court, but then he had, he, he had a, a certain little just energy about him. So that that's, that's what made it. That's what kept him in the league. And he was tall as hell. And then you watch, you know, just the maturity going through that shit and then finding a way to bounce. And you're right, man. This man has three championships, bro. Yeah. Bro, Flowers to JaVel McGee. Facts. And I'll say and it's still funny, doing it, bro. He's been there for a while, too. Yeah. He's still, and, yeah. And I want to add this on, too. Here's the other problem with narratives. So, again, when I ask the question, why now is Stephen A saying that? Like, what? I, I just, I'm curious. But, like, if you think about the Washington Wizards, at the time when JaVale got drafted there, they had just come off of the Gilbert Arenas gun thing a few years prior. John Wall was a baby. 
He was a baby. Andre Blatch was, they had nothing but babies on that team. They yeah. didn't have any stability in the front office with the coaching. There was no type of culture that existed. So you had kids out there monitoring kids. So if you need somebody to get focused, that's the worst place possible. So again, when we talk about Rashad McCants getting drafted to Minnesota with Kevin Garnett, that was his, that was his vet and things were progressing for him. And then the trade happened. Kevin Garnett goes, you got a young player. Coach don't really mess with young players. Now his playing time is gone. Yeah. But we're talking about a guy who was hitting 20s. If you're hitting 20s in the NBA, you can be an all-star. He was an all-star level player in Rashad McCants, that is, that just lost the opportunity because the situation changed. So there's always so much more underneath the surface. And that's what I'm saying. So like when I, when I, it's hard for me to have like basketball conversations because sometimes people just want to stay on the surface and that's totally fine. But it's hard for me to really engage without being able to speak to all the components. Like I said, that the JaVale McGee case is a curious one because the talent was there. Everything was there. Why did nobody see it until maybe 10 years later into his career? No, I think, I mean, like you talk about it and you know, we think about it from a basketball perspective, um, digging into just developing an individual or you think about like I mean, a future leader or somebody that has potential and that investment in them. Anybody that, like we said before, anybody that makes it to the NBA is super talented. They can ball, they can hoop. JaVale McGee, it was known from the beginning that this guy was super talented and had a, a extremely high skill set, whether it be just like an athlete or whatever. I remember he was in the slam dunk contest. I don't know if y'all remember that. And as a child person, you know, as a tall person being in a slam dunk contest, it lets you know something. So right. from that perspective, my challenge, or at least my, the gap that I'm having is from an NBA perspective, where is the investment in the yeah. talent? Like we're too quick to count people off and then blame these young individuals for not yeah. developing into whatever you thought that they would develop into but the skill is still there. The skill set is still there. All those gifts are still there, yep. but they're quick to count people off mm. and then just bring in another person for whatever yep. reason. So, mm. I mean, to your point, Shaq and the fool, let's be real. If I feel like I am great and I'm not getting the shot that I deserve, I might do a little bit more to show that I have this skill set. And sometimes I may fall. I mean, I think up. that's what, you know, and that's what was happening, like from my perspective. So um, with JaVale McGee, I think once he went to certain teams like Golden State, uh, the L.A. Lakers, then he was like, I mean, he still had the ability to do some things, but he had to also play within the realms of the team. And then what you saw when I when he was with Golden State, I was like, why did we let him go? You know, yeah, and stupid. it just didn't make any sense. And shoot, we haven't had big men in years, pause. But with all that being said, I look at it from a basketball perspective. I also look at it in life and, and business. When you got talent, you got to invest in that talent and make sure. Hey, I think you got to really make sure that it's your responsibility that that person develops into whoever they're supposed to be or what you saw in the individual when you drafted them or brought them to your organization. Love that. Yes, sir. Love, love that. And, that was very well said. I, and I got to add this too. This is why, again, 
the investment is so critical. And this may be even a great segue into one of the other conversations that I, I think I heard coming. Um, but you think about Carmelo Anthony, one of my favorite players of all time. Um, for me, arguably, one of, if not the greatest score because of all the various levels, not just, see, we look at it three-dimensional, like three-pointer, mid-range, around the basket, as if there's not intermediate shots and free throws and tons of stuff that goes into it. Carmelo Anthony is number 10 all-time on the scoring list, right? Number 10. Do we remember that he literally, in his prime, missed two and a half seasons of basketball? Consider that. Where he would be on that list if he didn't get blackballed because of what the narrative that had been created about him out there. Think about that. De uh, DeMarcus Cousins, one of my favorite bigs, nasty, nasty dude, great nasty attitude. I loved him. They had nothing in Sacramento invested in that man. He had like seven coaches in eight years. This guy's 32 years old right now, still doesn't have an NBA team. You're telling me no you sense. can't help Golden State? So what I'm saying is, again, when I think about narratives and how damaging when somebody's doing it as their day job for fun, Stephen A's really potentially ending careers for fun. And I think that's where some of that passion from uh, McCants comes from, because he's talked about him before doing that type of stuff, as have some of those other members of that that panel on that show. So I just wanted to throw that in there, man, like Melo, all time great. First ballot Hall of Famer, no question. One of the greatest Olympians in uh, in U United States history. 100%. Lost two and a half years, and it's number 10 all time. It's crazy. I think, I mean, I loved, I loved Melo's game. I mean, from the first time I saw him with the fro when he played uh, LeBron in high school, Oh, yep. ESPN three, I think. <laughs> ESPN two, ESPN three. It was one of those, man. But when I saw that, I was like, man, who is this guy? And then Old he Hill went to St. Mary's. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, that it was, it was amazing. And then from there, Syracuse. I mean, I won so much money off that bracket that year just because I was like, man, this guy. And I haven't won on the bracket since. <laughs> but yeah. all that to say, man, like. You know, Melo, great. And and to your point, those narratives. Um, even though David Stern ran a different league, and he even said that the NBA is the Fed, so maybe they know something on the outside. And you know, maybe that's the case, or like you know, they got another topic for another day. I won't get into it now. Some okay. speculation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won't, I won't do that. But yeah, I agree with you on Melo and um, the narratives. One thing I will say about Stephen A. too. Um, is I, I, I do believe in private conversations, some NBA players, some confidants might have let him know how damaging his comments have been. Mm -hmm. And and I've heard him say certain players like DeMarcus Cousins should be in the NBA. He can't mm -hmm. think of five better centers in the NBA than DeMarcus Cousins. And, and it goes back to my thought of, DeMarcus Cousins in the NBA was okay when he was in Sacramento taking them L's. But when it was time for him to do what's best for him, then it started mm -hmm. the, the narrative of, hey, let's get this man out the league. He doesn't need to be in the league. Started to come up for whatever reason. And I don't respect that, but I'm just telling you what I noticed. 
it seemed like it was cool when he could be in Sacramento and just right. lose all the time, you know? Yep. yep. Yeah. Behind the curtain. I like that. That's that's not a bad narrative. I mean, a, a bad theory, because I, yeah. I agree with it on not with just him, but so many other guys. We're so like, many others. Yeah. Why is this guy not in the NBA? He's and like I said, when I I didn't even realize I I came up with watching Boogie uh, from Kentucky and before, and I'm like I totally spaced on the fact that he's only 32 years old. 32. Him and, him and John Wall came into Kentucky together. Yes. Yes, it's crazy to think about that. And Wall ain't in the league either. That's another one. Why not? I hear you doing niggas in the runs. Man, so. John Wall, John Wall was if he would have went to another team, he would have had the ability to be the face of the NBA. No, I believe. Facts. But, I mean, <laughs> my goodness, that name right there. I don't I mean, know why I, he didn't leave there when he could have. A lot of people, man. Look at Dame. Look at Kevin Garnett. It's I mean, the money, it's, man. It's, it's the like money. That. They make it to where you can make the most money by staying. Yep. I feel kind of bad because Dwayne was leading into one of the best things possible. True, uh, true. As he oh, said, that nigga's that? name, John Wall. Bro, a, bells, that bro, is a name. Yeah. Michael John, Jordan. John, John Wall. John Wall. Like, and he had me. the system. He had it. Oh, man. It, like, you think about just Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. I think John Wall could have did what Kyrie did. You know, like only play those nine games and then go yeah. and then be yeah. <laughs> that's that dude yeah. right there. The, yeah, he was the face of the he was going to be the face of the league if he would have played for another team. He went to like New York or something like that. Yeah, the market. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere with, with, with a big market. Yeah. Agree. I mean, think about the dance. He had everybody doing that little goofy dance all the way Bro. from college. To the pro. I was trying that shit at damn military celebrations and shit. John Wall was that dude. Yeah, I can't even argue that one. That's a good call. And so you think about what he's doing, and uh, you know, trying to get in the league, and then you got Bradley Beal, which no flat out baller can't take anything away. Mm -hmm. But when they were in Washington together, he was the number two. Everybody knew who the number one was, right? Yep. And it, but the number one can't even be in a league anymore for right. whatever reason. Right. So, certain, certain things is like, for some reason, yeah, like I think is. from a from a PR perspective, I don't think the NBA fans do a good job of putting pressure on the league for answers. Yeah. Right. That's, we allow the media to ask questions, but then the media is like, "I got a job." You know, I got bills to pay. Yep. I'm not gonna ask you that question. <laughs> Let me. So, from a fan's perspective, when we see the talent, we see the videos circulating. We know this dude's a baller. Y'all were invested in him at one point in time. What changed? And yep. I think that you know, inquiring minds want to know. That's all. I, I agree. I mean, look at Iman Shumpert. How how is that guy not in the NBA right now? You know, right. when you right. talk about Shump, you know, you think about New York Knicks, um, it's Shump. That's the, that's the shot. I, I was there when I was with the Knicks as a fan with Car- Carmelo when he 
got drafted to the Knicks. So I'm thinking about all of that. And it goes back to even one more person that is an NBA champion right now, but we wouldn't even know him anymore because the league tried to push him out. J.R. Smith. And you know he was a flat out baller. Oh Oh, my goodness. That's my dude. That's one of my that's, that's one of my role models, bro. Yeah. In the Smith. in the golf space, right in the golf oh, yeah. space right now, too. Yeah. The way he played, that man got game. Yeah. yeah JR one of my he one of my heroes, man. I don't, if, you ever, if you ever see this JR Smith, I've been shouting you out on Instagram. Join your podcast, man. Hey, man. <laughs> JR Smith, man. Talented. Boy. Super talented. He had to go play in China. Matter of fact, so when he was coming to the NBA, whenever whatever lockout or whatever the situation was. Think about how tough that was. If they were, if he, if the Knicks didn't have that team that they had, mm-hmm. I don't know if he would have had the same opportunity to come back into the league and then also that level of leeway. Because at that point in time, Carmelo ran the, the Knicks. I don't, you can say whatever you want as far as whoever the coach was and the GM, but they had Carmelo, they had Kenyon Martin. You remember that? Yes, sir. Um, Jay Kidd, man, Mike yeah, Campio. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Man, they so, had a wow. squad. squad. Steve Novak, Landry Fields. They, mm-hmm. yeah, they, had, they had a team over there for a minute. So Now, they got a lot of them a little too old, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did get them a little yeah, older, but. That, yeah. old. that, that was, uh, but, you know. When I think about that, I'm actually going to transition really quickly because I love the basketball, I love the sports. But um, you think about some of these individuals, whether it be called uh, blackballed and left out of the league or there being gatekeepers that are not allowing certain individuals in the league. Speaking on those two keywords, blackballed and gatekeepers, Cat mm-hmm. Williams had an interview that dropped with Club Shay Shay and Shannon Sharp uh, not too long ago. And he talked about some of the individuals that are the so-called gatekeepers and mm-hmm. being blackballed in uh, the entertainment industry. So with all yeah. that being said, uh, before we get into that, I just want to know how y'all feel about said entertainer still need jokes. Steve! Steve! Bind him! Grab him. I'm I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. That's from the Lord of the Rings. FYI. That nigga is a th- and that, that that used to be my dude, bro. Said was my guy. But I always felt like he just never like he, you know what's what's weird, Dwayne, is um I'm sitting here and I'm watching the Shay Shay joint, and I was telling Karen, I always felt like I had heard that joke before. Cause Kings of Comedy was one of my favorite. Yeah. Like when I was in the military, me and my homeboys would get drunk and we would sit there and watch that and just laugh for hours. Smoke black, like freak black and miles, you know what I'm saying? Do stupid shit that we can't do because we can't smoke weed. Right. And I remember like I always used to feel like I because I we used to watch Def Comedy Jam all the time. All the time. Wayne, we used to watch it all the time too growing up. You know what I'm saying? So when when I remember them, I remember like, man, I, I just felt like I had heard that joke before. And then it hit me when I saw the video and they were like, yo, 
he did this before. And I was like, the Def Comedy Jam intro, that was the joke. I was like, I, I felt like that, but it was the whole spaceship. And I didn't even think the spaceship part was that funny. I, the only thing was the whipping of the cord and all this and the, and the big, I mean, but it's like, damn, you are you stealing jokes? And then you don't even have the audacity to just come out and be like, yeah, I did that shit. I made it better. That's what comics do. Like, or just put, I don't know. I'm just happy this age of truth is out. And it's making me, making me question a lot of some, some people and some things that I felt for a long time, but I pushed it down because I was like, I'm tripping. Maybe I was right. Yeah. Well, Exposing I'll add, cat. Absolutely. So I'll stick just to say it for right now. Um, I think, so the profession of comedy is a difficult one. It is super hard to not just entertain, but one person grab an entire audience for however long and your whole purpose is to make them laugh. That is super commendable to me. Super commendable. I would be willing to bet that your favorite comedian's favorite comedian has stolen a joke. We just happen to be in an era now, especially where it's easier to catch people up doing it. But I would be willing to bet that, especially when they start doing that whole writing team, so now you got Eddie Murphy, you know, uh, not not Eddie Murphy, but uh, Richard Pryor getting his jokes written by uh, Paul Mooney. Nobody really knows. So now Paul Mooney come out and tell a joke and sound like something Richard said. Well, now you know why. So I, I just think it's a it's a fine line dealing with comedy and and you know your intellectual property in terms of what you created. It's really hard for me to be like, hey, it's okay. I stole your joke. I just made it better. It's hard for me to to get with that just because of how difficult it is to do that job. But I will say the lack of integrity on said's part to not just be like, you know what? Even if he does, I didn't steal it. He could be like, man, you know what? There are so many influences out there when you're starting to write material. And maybe this is something that it subconsciously popped in. And then I kind of put my own spin on something. It's a lot of ways he could have had that conversation. I think, as opposed well, to just blatant are denial. Saying, are you saying there's a lot of ways to lie? I'm saying there's so many ways to lie. Okay, all right. I just wanted to make sure that we were, just, we were on the same page. Because, yes, Cedric, that's what we're saying. You should just lie. <laughs> oh, lie. That, like, what you mean? He should just lie about what, though? Just to make sure like, it. Yeah, just like make up a, a false narrative of there's so many influences, you know, and there's so many jokes that, you know, we be cultivated as as, as 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 comedians and sometimes there's lines but you know i didn't i don't it's, it's my joke it's it's something that and then and you and you use that like kind of like what he like what he did without saying the previous part he said it's my joke right you know i mean go ahead and lie because what you said was some bullshit because niggas know you stole somebody's shit and like i'm with you because even a, a good example is is mark um curry Cat's cat said that joke. Mark Curry helped him write it like, out. Yeah, re, yeah re, refine it. He's like, I did it. I thought it was perfect. Mark Curry's like, no, hey, go back to the lab, work on this, blah blah. So and so, Mark Curry is one of the. You remember Coach? Yeah, they ain't giving him. They ain't giving him his props, man. Yeah, Mark uh, Curry, bro. I remember him from back in the day when I was a young kid. Like I thought he was hanging was like, with Mr. Cooper. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Yeah, like he I'm was. On uh, it. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> He was the dude. And then to find out that Steve Harvey, 
stole, stole one of his shit. jokes, like verbatim. Stole his whole show. Stole oh, his yeah. whole show whole, in the school whole, and made it. Yeah. Made it yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, like that's not, like, that's that's literally, that's like, that's like, perfect example. When Drake steals an, a verbatim line from Rapping Forte <laughs> yeah. and uses it, and we all fry his ass for it. And then, I thought he I stole mean, something from Soldier Boy. Drake. So, I'm just playing. I'm just <laughs> no, playing. He, I'm just playing, man. Uh, Soldier said he stole uh, the "Kiss Me Through the Phone" that the 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 beat, whatever, is one of Drake's hitted songs, or whatever. And then he stole a line, but he literally stole one of Rapping Forte's exact line. He stole one of Project Pat's exact lines. He's, I mean, he's 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 literally bit like people's like verbates, like eight bars, not yeah. not just a a little snippet. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody says. Something you saw from Biggie, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's different. So it's the same thing. It's like we fry them if you if somebody else is writing your shit or you stealing somebody else's lyrics. Yeah. Like like if I was to go out there and and, and steal a, a bar, let's say bandwagon, right? From back in um real estate days, he wrote some shit. Nobody remember that. Shit. And I came out here and, and I mean I, I did my whole real estate, but it was a Brent album. I just stole all real estate shit, made it flyer, added yeah. a little little spasm to it, put some new beats to it, and stole y'all shit and came out here and y'all be like, nigga, nigga, no. Right. So let me tell you the part that the part out of Cat Williams that hit me the most. Nah, I can't say hit me the most. Uh, but because it was a hey, lot. Pause. But uh, no way. Hey, yeah, pause. <laughs> But the part, the part out of yeah, that's a hell of woo. The part out of the interview that that stuck with me was he went hard at certain individuals, but also paid a lot of respect to certain individuals. Yes, he did. You feel me? So, so, so from a from a place of man, is he bitter? Is he sour? Is he falling off? Is he trying to be relevant? I just, yeah. the whole time I sat with him and my job is to listen and take things for face value. I'm sorry. I'm not here to really judge and things of that sort, but yes, sir. in that conversation, I actually listened to the whole thing and I felt like this person is telling the truth. And the reason why I felt like that is because he wasn't sour towards everybody or he didn't say he talked about bernie Mac, all positive he didn't he didn't he didn't throw no down in mm -hmm. in bernie Mac. it was all positive um he talked about he the though. who was that bernie Mac? yeah what do you say when he said when he said steve thought he was just an ugly dumb black nigga <laughs> That wasn't no straight. I mean, look, man. That wasn't no straight. Hey, I laughed. No, it's I mean, it's straight. funny. It's funny. It's, it's funny. But, you know. All right, go ahead. But, but it's, 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 you're going to DL. <laughs> you're going to DL. No, no. I'm just saying. Like, he was, <laughs> he was talking about DL. And, you know, you think about the Kings of Comedy, though. Like, it's kind of crazy to hear that he didn't really go at everybody and it, it was it wasn't like he was sour or bitter you know he just went at certain individuals and i see why he would go after said and said stole his joke yeah. and wasn't creative i can see how he went at steve if steve stole his background and said how he was homeless and then it's the first yep. time i ever heard 
Cat Williams story, you know? So when you think about what he's probably been holding and, and my God, I commend anybody that's able to hold it for that long, you know, mm-hmm. like obviously he's a, he's at peace with himself. He's at peace with God and he knows his value. And he also stays in the lab and continues to work. He's obviously a family man taking care of his kids and things of that sort. He stays busy because only the people that are sitting around and they ain't got nothing to do and are bitter are going to be that wouldn't have held for no 20, 25 years, no, bro. You know? <laughs> hey, real quick, Wayne, I want to point out too. Cat only told truths on the people that came on Shay Shay room and told lies. Steve Harvey said the entertainer, Kevin Hart. They were all on the show saying things. Oh, no. Kevin, he didn't really attack Kevin until Kevin got brought up, per se, and certain things about, like, Kevin being a plant, which, when you start looking back, nigga, nigga really did come out of nowhere, bro, with, with Soul Plane. Yeah, yeah. Had his own show on NBC before it got yeah, canceled or bro, whatever happened. You know, like, I don't how you know got your where. show before anybody know who you are? Bro. Unless you, uh... And then working solely on the East Coast, his documentary. Like, I mean, he broke it down. Like, the timeline, the math ain't mathing. Especially when Cat was on the West Coast. Exactly. So it's like, so so some of the shit these people be saying, and like, you know how I am, discerner of spirits. I always, I don't never, I just let people talk. I don't never be using they facts as facts because stuff that just be sounding, sounding funky. Now you come back years later, it's like, oh, well, that's why I ain't. I love Kevin Hart. Don't get me wrong. You know what I'm saying? I love what he's able. I, I love his level of funny and some of the some of the standups he's done. I thought I thought his team has, has produced some funny ass like jokes. Yeah. Um, he ain't. He's not my. He's not my goat. You know, in, in in my in my generation at all. Uh, like we were talking about earlier. But yeah, man, I, I just thought that Kevin, um, Steve, and 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 said. They got on Shay's room and maybe they didn't attack, you know, uh cat. I don't I don't remember their full interviews, but I know that they did use things. And then as a matter of fact, no, Shannon did ask him, asked the uh uh said, Did you did you still want to catch jokes? You know what I'm saying? So it's like he came on there just exposing their lives, bro. So that's what he came out there out there to do. That's why at the end he was like, you know, hey, they gonna you this about to be you about to go you about to go crazy off of this. They gonna everybody gonna come back trying to get they, I'm saying they they get back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying tell some new lies. Yeah. But that's the thing is that man said he got receipts. You you Sorry, can't disrespect just, the person with, Joel, with, with receipts. I do want you to get in. I just got to say one thing real quick before I leave it. I wrote it down. Um, it's uh, just a few quotes. The truth don't need motivation. There's no such thing as a human being not being afraid. There are human Uh beings that understand that being afraid in no way stops you from doing what you got to do. Anything that takes you over your free will is the devil Devil itself. itself. Mm. Winners aren't allowed to let losers rewrite history. History. I'm going to pause right there. Joe, please tell me what you got, man. What you think about all this stuff? So you can't do that, man. You can't drop them bars like yes, that. Yes, he man. can. Yes, he can. You got to follow that, bro. Um, 
So we got to come back to those because I want to address, you know, some of the things that were said prior to that. But we got to come back to those. Uh, I want to talk about Kevin Hart for just a second. I am 100 percent not a fan. I have not been a fan of Kevin Hart for probably the better part of five years now, five to seven years. Um, And the plant comment is is fitting. So I don't know if you guys remember Gerard Carmichael. Yeah, I do. So okay, so Gerard Carmichael came, put on Lil Rail, put on Tiffany Haddish on the show that he had, the Carmichael show. I had David Allen Greer and Loretta Devine on there. It was a really, really funny show. But similarly, it was like, where the heck did this dude come from? Who is this? This is a oh, this is a comedian. And then you try to go watch the stand up, and the stand up is trash. And it's like, how in the world did this trash dude? come out of absolutely nowhere, get a show, but he sucks at the craft. Then he comes out later, oh, I'm dead. And it's like, uh... For real? Are you serious? <laughs> hey, man, listen, this person popped on the scene and then fell off the scene to me. Like, I don't, yes. I haven't heard... Yeah, my bad. Go ahead. Keep going, though. Yes. No, yes, 100% serious. So Corey Holcomb isn't one of my favorite comedians. He's one of my favorite personalities. I, I like how he is unabashedly disrespectful across the board um, because he's uncancelable, which I really, really respect. He said something. He said, anytime you see somebody, especially in the comedy game he was talking about, somebody just popping out of nowhere, they probably gay. He said that years ago. And I've been watching and paying attention. Now, he refuses to say anything negative about Kevin Hart ever. He will not do it. Matter of fact, he'll go so far as to defend. But I look at Kevin Hart, same thing. He just popped in out of nowhere, really didn't know who he was. Honestly, I didn't even see Soul Plane. I saw him for the first time on 40-Year-Old Virgin and was like, who is this dude? He is hilarious in this scene. That was my introduction to Kevin Hart. And then out of nowhere, just like, he just kept climbing, climbing, climbing. And I'm like, how in the world do you continue to climb in Hollywood as a black actor? You're not you're not Denzel, so it's not like you're out here winning Oscars for performances. So how are you having this much damn power getting new films all the time? And then you see him and The Rock let their lips touch on that movie. Then you see him wearing the dress. And there's so many times where he's been in scenes where it's like, you didn't even have to do that. That wasn't, number one, it wasn't funny. Number two, it's been done a million times before. Like, what's going on? So for me, when people want to talk about like uh, uh, Cat Williams calling them bitter because of stuff like that, I see it differently. I look at somebody who worked really, really hard to define themselves as a legitimate stand-up comedian and entertainer and then you watch somebody else kind of just get passed along. And it's like, bro, are you serious? Now you want to sit out here and act like you really out here running the game on your own of your own volition? Like you ain't getting pushed by the machine? I get no push from the machine. And I'm still doing these 100 city tours. And my stand-ups are always funnier than yours. You can't bang with me on this level. So that's that's I just want to take that one position right there, which is I feel him for everything he says about like a guy like a Kevin Hart, who clearly doesn't have the same level of talent. 
but you see them continually move up and you have to ask, what are you doing to move up without the same level of talent of other black actors who've been in the game longer and have not had the success that you've had? That's weird. Preach, man. I mean, you tell them how you feel, bro. You know what I'm saying? Kevin, I look personally, bro. If you want to put me in the movie, I'm cool with it. Uh, There's a point in time that you actually reminded me of Kevin Hart, man. I'm telling you, bro. I used to be funny as shit. Not just the, the, the funny, but I think, like, you would think about him in certain scenarios and stuff like that and kind of gave off a Kevin Hart vibe. Now, not yeah, I, to say that you are on the negative side of Joel and what he just said, but I'm saying it was it was cool to be around. Here's my gripe as a fan of Kevin Hart. Seen him multiple times live, whether it be in the, in the small shows and then also the big tours like Zanies. A lot of people don't know that Kevin Hart used to come to Zanies a lot. That's when yep. he was like, you know, getting his material off before he would go to the big tour. So I would see him all the time in Zanies. And I saw him in the in the in the arenas too. Um, but as a as a fan of you know early stage Kevin Hart, um, this is what I'll say, man. His his funny got watered down, and I'm not gonna put it on life and trials and tribulations and circumstances. I'm not gonna put it on his team. I'm gonna put it on his ability to not be able to say no. I felt like there was points and times throughout his career where he he did a little bit too much to try to be funny and it just didn't hit. Mm-hmm. However, um, you know, he had already said yes, and it almost came to the point where it felt like he was doing it against his will. That's just me, you know, because mm-hmm. he, he was a person that once you're funny you know this man you go to school with somebody or you um play ball with somebody hang out with somebody but that person's funny they don't have to do anything they just got to be themselves and it's going to show up so if you've seen that happen time and time again to where you get to certain levels of stardom for that to fall down it's not in you no more and it, it seems like he couldn't say no Based off of what Kat was saying, now I'm looking back and I'm probably like, maybe he couldn't say no. So it was a manufactured funny type of feeling that he was putting forth and it ended up being trash from a viewer's perspective. Yeah, I mean, when he, and he, unfortunately, he did it to himself. Like anytime you say, from a place of integrity, I'm not going to do this. And then you turn around and do it and you have a lame explanation for the why you did it. Like he said, I'll never put on no dress. And then t- I, yeah. I, and I, and I'll say it this way. I don't even think that's the absolute worst thing somebody can do. I think it's stupid. I think it's, yeah, I think it's something consistent that they do want to see brothers in dresses for whatever reason. I do agree with all of those things. I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I just think it's not funny. But the fact that you did that after saying you wouldn't, now everybody is open to this possibility. If you would do it, for this, what else would you do? And unfortunately, like I said, when I seen him in the rock and they mouth touched, I'm like, why would you do that? It's not even, it's, there's nothing funny about this scene. So to your point, Dwayne, about not being able to say no, same thing, Dave Chappelle. They rewrote that scene, didn't they? He talks about it. 
they had the dress in there. They wanted, and I said no. And they kept on trying. This person came in. This person came in. This person came in, trying to convince me to do it. His integrity wouldn't allow it. Dave Chappelle is funny consistently, and there is no outside influence on his funny. That's the difference that I think Kat is trying to point out with all of these guys. I don't remember, I don't know if you guys remember when Steve Harvey told Monique, it ain't her job or it shouldn't be her job or their job to sacrifice the bag based on integrity. Do y'all remember that? Yeah. I and, will, and she, she got mad and then he said he something cheated. about we're not in a uh, this game, we're in the money game. So pretty much if it got something to do with money, then you got to do it. All's fair. Yes, that is exactly. And I think Kat is trying to point out that these type of characters, these bad actors, we'll call them, exist all around us. But these are the leaders for us culturally in this area. Kevin Hart is a leader. We look at him as a great. We look at Steve Harvey as this great. Not all of us, but some of us, a lot of us. That's why they keep getting shows and stuff. Um, but even the, the think about the Epstein Island stuff. How many people do you think are actually going to come out and say anything negative about Beyonce and Jay Z for being there. They no only, oh, you, you saw the list. You saw the list. I've seen it. Yes. Hi, oh, man, I haven't. Look. I haven't seen the list, man. We got. Hey, we got to record another one after I look at it. <laughs> ridiculous, bro. It's ridiculous how many people are on there, and they on there. I talked. I talked to. I talked to somebody. Um, I ain't gonna say their name. Just you know, I take all the smoke. But anyway, I said, "Hey, man, you think you think uh." You think Jay Z was on there, and then they said, uh, "Man, you know he on there, man." They said, "He said you know he on there. Look at him. He no. ain't he ugly." They said, "He." Right. <laughs> they said, "He ugly." And you know what I'm trying to say? He a billionaire, and yep. he ugly. He ain't nice to look at. So what white people gonna give him an opportunity unless he with that shit? You know he was Facts. bending over. Facts. Good God, that hurts, think, but it's the truth, bro. And I think I said it on here a while back. I said I think Jay Z's gay. I said that a long time ago, and same thing. I got I got lit up for it, but I don't care. I've always felt that way. I'm not afraid to call out one of our champions just because they're one of our champions. And you know, like I said, I think that's the same place that Cat is. I don't mind calling out the supposed champions because I put in the work that they claim to have put in, but they've gotten to a different trajectory than I have because they're willing to sacrifice their integrity to get there. And I'm not. So I'm going to get out here and tell you about Sid stealing jokes about Steve stealing somebody's whole gimmick, basically with Mark Curry. I'll talk about all these people, Kevin Hart's and the willingness to be down with the machine. I'll say all of that because I don't mind saying it. So I have the utmost respect for Cat in that regard. It doesn't mean he's perfect. Or he doesn't have stains on his record at some point. He still had the little silly incident where he got into the scrap with the little kid. You know, what I'm he got stuff on his jacket that don't look good. So he's not better than anybody else. He's saying in this craft, I've done more work than all of y'all. And the work shows based on how many tours we're still doing. And the fact that all of my standups, all of them are funnier than all of y'all. I'm not saying it. The people that keep paying for it are saying it. Sorry, that, that just got me a little. No, no, that's cool. So, so are we gonna still we got a lot to dissect. We're not gonna be able to get through it all today. But with with that being said, 
if you had to give me your kings of comedy, and keep in mind, there's supposed to be four based off of what my understanding was, right? It's supposed to be four. We're going to keep it with the four. Who you got? Out of the individuals that were there, right? So if you're going to take anybody out, who are you going to take them out and put in their place? I think Steve Harvey's trash. He, he's a he's a opener. He's the guy that you want warming the crowd up. That's that's where he's good at. Um, I think Sid is decent, um, but I would take him out. D.L. Hughley is god-awful to me as a comedian. That's me personally. He is awful. Um, Bernie, hilarious. So I would keep Bernie. If I had to add three more, it would be Chappelle. It would be Cat. Um, and I would have to think on my fourth. I'm rocking with your three, though. I'm rocking with those three for sure. Brent, what you got? You look like you over there, um, zombified, man. Yeah, you got you got a little neck problem or something. My neck hurt, bro. <laughs> what you got? Well, my all-time goat is Dave Chappelle. One one of the best storytellers of all time. Cat mm-hmm. Williams is in my top. Bernie, Bernie Mac. I mean, like, we had the same three. I'm going to throw in, and I think this is going to be hard, is uh, it's it's between Rare Fox and um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I've seen, like, all his, like, small stand-ups. They're just small, but, like, he's just funny to me. Oh, boy, they did Bebe's kids. I wasn't oh, Richard Hare. Robert here, yeah. I wasn't put it Richard Pryor, but there's a lot of history behind that. And so I've watched Richard Pryor's like old ass and I don't I don't laugh as much as I thought I used to when I was a kid. Right. So it's like I don't really I mean he's a he's a goat as in like, you know, pioneer of and he has some great movies and did some things, put black people, black comedians in film and stuff like that. It's amazing. But I mean, even as a forty year old man, but when I go back I don't be laughing at this shit. I'm Harris, hell yeah. Red Fox, hell yeah. Dave Chappelle to this day. And it's just because even like now, like even when his when he tells like his his like his new one on Netflix, I didn't even laugh that much. But I was just like, yeah. Like, ah. in it. Yep. like Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like I'm not like like the old shit. Like I'm talking about, I can go back and watch um the one in uh Baltimore, uh, kill what's it, killing them softly? Yeah, killing them softly. I can go back and watch that, bro. Like I watch it tonight, and I laugh my ass off. Like I, I'll be at tears in my eyes. I don't care. No, that's it. To this day, like that shit is funny. I don't, yeah. I don't look at Dave Chappelle as a comedian anymore. He's transcended whatever that was. To yeah, me, okay, I, just, like- I, I listen to him because he is. He is entertainment. He's knowledge. He's history, and he's able so to put things to be- put things together in a way that no one that I've ever heard speak be able to do. Oh, so with bro. that, you know, it's more like it's almost like classes in session when that man's communicating. Facts. Bernie's just funny. Like Bernie was a funny man. Like the way he was thinking a joke together, he would he would tie the audience into it. 
Like he was just his voice inflections. Like he was just he was amazing at working the crowd, at being a true comedian and knowing how to make you laugh. Um, so um, I'm sorry, I got yeah. I got to understand real quick. I I just forgot who my fourth was. Bill Burr. I don't fuck with him. I I never I never heard his stuff. Oh my god. Okay, well, I, again, bias, of course, because I like him. Um, Brent does. Yeah. So you got two. You got two different opinions on him. So I would just say just check him out. But just he check him a, out. Yeah. If gotcha. if you want to check out anything, check out Bill Burr gets booed in Philadelphia. I've never seen a comedian get booed and win the audience back at the end and get the standing ovation. Incredible. Gotcha incredible that's the type of stuff where you know it's it's this is the talent they don't like you oh wait a minute yes we do sorry about that so he's 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 my other one all right so um i i had rambled off a few quotes from uh cat williams but the one that i want to stick with and i really want to like get your perspective on and then brent i'm gonna let your neck rest after this pause um you got um, that don't have to be said for you to have to say a pause afterwards. That's just weird. I'm just saying, bro. Your, your neck done disappeared now, man. Are you cold what? or something? Is that what it is? Are you in Ohio, bro? Yeah, you freezing cold up there. <laughs> you got, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, man, for laughing. Um, man, say what you got to say. So, I mean, it's 49 degrees over here. That, that's that's record breaking, you know. So, um, with all that being said, here's the quote, and I just want to I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, winners aren't allowed to let losers rewrite history. Now, the reason why I'm asking for your thoughts on this is because when I listen to that or I hear it, outside looking in. And some of the backlash received and based off of what Cat Williams is saying, other people may look at him like he's a loser. Prior to this interview, they probably say, you're not relevant or, you know, you're not Kevin Hart. You're not Steve Harvey. You know, some people may have said that. So from my perspective, I, I get what he's saying, but how is he able to take the approach that he's the winner in this scenario, in this situation. Uh, I, I would say he's he's looking at it from the perspective that I have constant shows. I, I have income. I'm taking care of my family. I haven't had to compromise my booty cheeks or my integrity to do that. Um, I'm winning. At any point in time, one of them can tell you what you need to do and you have to do it, or you lose everything. I don't have that. They tried to blackball me, and look at me now. I'm here, and I'm still win. I'm winning. I have won because they can't stop me, as Cat Williams would say it. You know, in his in his term terminology and words. Okay, so that's what he's looking at it. And that's why I, I I mean I respect what the man trying to say. He's like y'all, yo, look, I'm out here balling. I'm still one. Of the, I'm a, I'm already in the in the comedy hall of fame, and I'm alive. I have this many shows. I'm touring still, sold out here, there, and there. This special, this special, this special. Yes, I'm winning, and I don't have their backing. 
So I'm winning. These people I'm exposing, I'm telling you that they like they giving up a lot of more things, a lot of things. What was my homeboy said? He said, um, there it's more, they're giving up more, more than ever, some kind of crazy ass little line he had, but that's what they're doing right now. And, and that's what it, that's, I guess that's what he's trying to say. Like, I ain't losing because in the end, like I'm good. Like all the things I need to take care of, I'm taking care of. And I'm happy with where I'm at. And I'm 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 considered as one of the Mount Rushmore of my craft. Amongst the people, the the fans. I think that's what he's looking at it from as winning. And then I love like Joe, you, Wayne, and me. I mean, none of us had Kevin in our top five. Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? He he may be on on paper making more money, but he's I mean he's not he's not in the fans' eyes as such top five. Yeah. Lost yeah. Oh. Joe, what I, do you think? Man, I I love what you said. I agree with it 100 percent That kind of piggybacks off of everything that I was saying about the effort it takes to really, which is again why I, I have such a profound respect for Bill Burr. Like it is so hard. It's hard for me to entertain my daughter sometimes. Could you imagine an audience every other night full of people that you have to entertain? So the work that it takes, the preparation, everything that goes into being a great. Remember, we talked about obsessing over the craft like Jordan and Kobe and, and Giannis and losing sleep and it impacts your, your bedroom game. The same effort level goes into being a great entertainer in terms of comedy. So everything that you just said, I agree with it. Dwayne, to answer your question more specifically, what makes him the, quote unquote, the authority to say who is, who isn't a loser? And, and I'll pose it to you this way. I don't think anybody, I, I don't, I don't know if one person can necessarily stake their claim as the, the one, the rightful owner of that ability. What I will say is when Ray J and Fabulous got into it back in the day. Do you remember what Fab said about Ray J? He remember. said, he's a lame. He's a rich <laughs> lame. <laughs> I don't think we do enough in terms of honest interpretation of what we see. Some people are just lames. And that's okay. It, when I say that, what I mean is per whatever yeah. standard or circle that they're supposed to be running in. Um, I don't know Ray J personally, but I've seen him do lame type things. And I think when Kat is talking about those other comedians, you've seen them do and exhibit behaviors. They talk about Steve Harvey all the time. Like this dude will, you know, like the way he interacts with others, how rude he is, how dismissive he is, how he wouldn't allow comedians to go up in front of him uh, because he didn't want them to get the shine. And then he got to follow it because he knew he didn't have the talent to beat out these young up and coming, you know what I mean? Like you've heard of the behaviors exhibited from all of these with the exception of Cedric. He's the only one I've never really heard anything bad about with the exception of, you know, taking that joke. Outside of that, you don't hear much bad about. Him. So I, I think, I think what he's doing is not necessarily elevating himself into the position of the authority and the, the right to, to suggest that everybody else is a loser. He ain't. I think what he's saying is, and you know, this is just Joel's perspective on it. I think where he's coming from is everything that that Brent just said. I put in all of this work. I didn't compromise. I still maintain my integrity. I sleep good at night, and I'm still funnier than you. 
you're out here doing all of these things that look suspect. And you, while you may be winning in this moment, inside you're losing. So therefore, you're a loser. I think you that's go. the perspective that he was coming from. Yeah. Right. The simple way that I would put it is one of my favorite lyricists said that, you know, it's pretty much he, he made a, a song about people thinking that they were like at the top of their game or they were better than him or, you know, better than him. Um, and he pretty much said, I know that you know that I know that you know better than that. So with that being said, <laughs> hey, so, so with that be, <laughs> so with that being said, Cat Williams is it, he's not really putting himself as the authority, but he's saying for all of y'all that I just called out, I know that you know that I know that you know better than that. Yep. That's a bar. Winners aren't allowed to let losers rewrite history, man. And that's a wrap for another episode of Midnight Madness. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Absolutely. Remember, this podcast is for you, and your thoughts and ideas are what make it special. Before we sign off, we have a small request for you, our amazing listeners. If you found value in tonight's discussion, if it resonated with you, if it made you laugh or think, please consider subscribing to Midnight Madness. That's right. By hitting the subscribe button, you'll never miss an episode. And we got some incredible conversations lined up, and we want you to be a part of them. And don't forget to hit the like button. Share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. And leave a comment. Feedback means the world to us. Your comments, your thoughts, and your ideas are what keep the conversation going. We're always eager to hear from you. So until next time, thank you for joining us in the madness, for speaking your truth, and for being part of this incredible community. Keep the thoughts flowing, those conversations going, and those ideas growing. Stay unfiltered, stay real, and most importantly, stay you. We'll catch you on the next episode.